Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. So, we recorded the show live. I will say this, I'm in my hotel room in Jacksonville. We had some technical issues at the beginning of the program. I mean, it is absolutely downpouring right now as I record this, but there's some different things going on with my headphones and the, the, the application on my phone, just for some reason, it just kept like muting in and out. So there's some awkward moments in the show as we are trying to make it happen. Um, we just gotta bear with it. We gotta fight through it and, and I appreciate your understanding with that. So a couple things, something that didn't really end up on the live show when it was all said and done are the fighter birthdays. So that's a, that's how we're going to kick off the show this week. Let's talk about the fighter birthdays. Let's say happy birthday to Michael Venom Page, who is 35. He's getting ready for a big fight for the Bellator welterweight interim title against Logan Storley next month. So stay tuned for that. That should be an interesting fight. Andre Fialho. Uh, is 28 years of age. AJ McKee, the Bellator featherweight champion of the world, getting ready to fight Patricio Pitbull next weekend. The rematch, and by the way, I mean, we've talked about this before. No one's talking about it, which is silly. And I don't know who to blame for that, but no one's talking about that fight, and it's a big one. But he's 27 today. So happy birthday, AJ McKee. And Maria Agapova is 25 years of age. In terms of what happened on this day in history, some significant uh, things have happened on April 7th in history, including four years ago, UFC 223 went down April 7th, 2018 at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It was the culmination of one of the all-time craziest builds, craziest fight weeks in the history of the sport. In the end... When it was all said and done and the opponents were shuffled and all things happened, the main event of that card was Habib Nurmagomedov versus Al Quinta for the vacant UFC lightweight title. As you recall, because we talked about this on the program last week, 
It was supposed to be Tony Ferguson versus Habib Nurmagomedov, and then it was supposed to be Max Holloway versus Habib Nurmagomedov, and then weigh-in day for Holloway. He was medically, he, he was deemed medically unfit, so he was removed from the card. They talked about maybe Anthony Pettis getting the fight, and then his fight against Michael Chiesa ended up getting scratched, and Pettis didn't make championship weight. So Ally Quinta got the title shot, and Al goes the distance. Habib wins the fight. The title reign of Habib Nurmagomedov begins, and what a reign it was. But that's not the big news story of that week. Big news story of that week was what happened with Conor McGregor, him showing up to Brooklyn, the Dolly incidents, the team assault with the bus, everything. And that sort of changed the card a little bit because Artem Lobov was scratched from the card because of his involvement in the incident. He was supposed to fight Bruce Lee, Roy, Alex Caceres. Michael Chiesa was supposed, like I said, he was supposed to fight Pettis, but he was pulled because he got a bunch of lacerations from the broken window. There was a flyweight fight. Uh, what was that? I'm trying to remember what it was. Ray Borg, Brandon Moreno. Ray Borg, Brandon Moreno um, was supposed to take place at this event too, yeah. Uh, but that fight was off the card as well because of the the, the Dolly incident. There's glass shards in Ray Borg's eye. So the fight couldn't happen. And then uh, Connor gets arrested in the court and everything that happened. It was just it was just a freaking crazy card. Um, Rose Namajunas defeats Ioanni and Jacek in the rematch. She retains her title. Hanata Moikano defeated Calvin Cater. Unanimous decision in the featured bout. Zabit Magomed Sharapov gets a decision win over Kyle Bokniak. Crazy fight. Chris Gritzmacher with a super impressive performance against Joe Lozon. Second round TKO, Dr. Stoppage. And then Carolina Kovacavich got a big win. Olivia Aubin Mercy got a TKO against Evan Dunham. Ashley Evan Smith beat Beck Rawlings. Devin Clark defeated Mike Rodriguez to kick things off. Fight of the night on that card. Zabit versus Bokniak, obviously. Go back and watch that. It's crazy. And then performance of the night, OAM, Chris Gritzmacher. And then also on this day in history, in my opinion, and still will be, and it's going to take something incredibly impressive to defeat this this pick, the biggest upset in UFC history took place on this day in 2007, 15 years ago. Matt Serra shocked the world and became the UFC welterweight champion, knocks out George St. Pierre in the first round, 7-1 underdog, or 7-1 favor for GSP, and he becomes the freaking champion of the world. How about that? Obviously got the knockout of the night back then when they were doing performances bonuses like that. Kendall Grove got submission of the night for kicking off the main card. Darsh Choke win over Alan Belcher and fight of the night was Roger Huerta versus Leonard Garcia. That fight won by Roger Huerta via unanimous decision. So um, we will transfer over to the live feed that a lot of you heard on the Twitter spaces. Again, apologies for the technical difficulties. Apology for the intro getting cut out. Um, so, you know, we'll, we know what we'll do to make life easier. We'll take a short break. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll kind of, we'll get back into the live feed. Take, you'll hear the calls that we're taking during the, the live show. And, um, we'll be back tomorrow. 8 a.m. right before the official weigh-ins, before we go live on the YouTube channel. We'll do a, a quick edition of this program as well. And we'll take your calls and everything like that. So, uh, I am Mike Heck. We'll be back in a matter of moments. And... You'll hear the phone calls that we took on Heck of a Morning on MMAFighting.com. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Ariani, hello. How are you? Hello? Hello. Yes. What's going on? I'm just listening. <laughs> so you have no- nothing? Oh, nothing. I'm just uh, waiting for the fights. Ah, okay. <laughs> what fight are you most excited about? Uh, the popular UFC fighter, my friend. Yeah, which is who? Uh, Holly Holmes, uh, Amanda Nunes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, fair enough. Leo Mashida. Leo Mashida. All right. All right. Well, uh, excellent. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Let's bring in. Uh, Oh, we had our good friend Zeke. I don't know what happened. Let's bring in uh, Deny. Deny, hello. Are you Yo. there? What's going Not on? Much. Uh, just thinking Aljo's going to have a good night. I don't know why, but just uh, I think he might fumble into a sub or something. I don't know. Have you felt this way the whole time, or was this something you saw along the way, maybe at the media day that... Uh... That got you thinking that way? What What about Aljo and the way he's approached this fight makes you feel like uh, he's going to pull off the big upset and, and defy the odds here? I think it's his body language and how he had to handle the situation, you know? Because uh, he can kind of lie to himself if he wanted to and, like, kind of have to beat himself on Saturday. But I think, well, one, he looks shredded right now. So there's no denying that. But, um... I think if he's in a good like frame of mind, like anything's possible. Yeah, I uh, thank you, Deny. I I actually agree with you. I I will say this, and I'm not trying to be a, a jerk or be disrespectful. The build to this fight has been a little cringy. I actually was kind of going into Saturday feeling like Piotr Jan is just going to just have a really good night. But I'm, I'll tell you, after that media day yesterday, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was how Aljamain Sterling, his confidence levels, the way he's approaching this fight from a mental perspective. Dude is on fire. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. He might not admit he has a big chip on his shoulder, but he certainly seems like he has one. And then Piotr Jan is doing a great job building this fight as well as sort of the the monster in this fight. And, and Aljamain has something to prove in terms of not only himself, but to, to all the doubters out there. I mean, the way things have turned for both fighters since that first fight in the DQ is really, is really fascinating. So I'm excited for the fight. I would say I'm not, I don't think it surpassed the Burn Shamaya fight in terms of intrigue, but 
I guess if we're talking about superlatives, this is the most improved when it comes to how much I'm looking forward to this one because those two guys crushed it at media day. And I am here for it. Let's bring in our man, Zeke. I think we're good now. Zeke, good morning. Mike, good morning to you, man. Shout out Alexander K. Lee in the, uh, <laughs> in the Twitter spaces crowd. Okay. One of the uh, MMA fighting faithful for sure. I mean, you two kill it on the, uh, the I don't want to ruin it, post-fight uh, no point show. I don't want to ruin the real name. But uh, let's get real. You're pulling out my heartstrings this morning, man. Why are you talking about Zabit Magomedish Aparov? I don't want to ruin his name, but arguably one of my favorite fighters. Okay, I miss the uh, I miss the spinning back kicks to the jugular. I miss all of the fancy and funky fight techniques that he brought to the octagon. My question to you is, A, will we ever see him again? I know all the hype and all the stories and all the media that covers say we may, we might not. Maybe he lost the love of the game. Uh, and then my other question to you is, how did Aljamain Sterling look like such a rock? I mean, I know he looked uh, he looked huge last fight, okay, but uh, I think his game plan here is to really clench and try and take down Jan. Uh, with that being said, I'm very interested to see if he could actually get him taken down. I think that's going to be the biggest, uh, you know, cue mark for uh, Mr. Sterling. If Sterling can contain Jan on the ground, maybe stabilize him a little bit, I think he's got a better shot. Uh, if he can maybe even catch an early sub. Uh, I think Peter Jan is just a robot, man. And he's one of those, like, seasoned veteran pitchers that when whenever the, the fight gets longer, he just he, he, he registers what you're doing and what you're trying to do to him, laughs and says, all right, this is how we're going to beat you, and just comes forward like that robot that he is. So I can't wait for that fight. Obviously, it's a, you know, championship fight, co-main event. Mike, what do you think about that one? And uh, will we ever see Zabit? I hope you're killing it down there in Jacksonville. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, we're only two sleeps away from this card, so let's get after it. Zeke, you're just you're, – you're firing me up right now on this Thursday morning. As far as the Sabit thing goes, I mean, it's 50-50 at best. I have no idea. There's, like, literally nobody knows. It's one of the big mysteries in MMA right now. Is this guy going to fight again? Which is wild. He's so talented. And so many people feel like – this guy with a win, like maybe one win. If he came back and got one win, he would fight for a title. In fact, you could even, like, there are people who would argue that if he came back, like, right now, if he called his manager, if he called the UFC and said, I want to come back right now, maybe maybe he fights the winner of the main event on Saturday between Volkanovski and, and Korean Zombie. I don't think he jumps over Max Holloway, but you, but you see where I'm getting at the UFC would probably feel like he is qualified for a fight of that magnitude, which is so crazy. It's just so crazy. He just was running through people and having good performances. The Cap Cater fight was uh, was a good test for him because he started off so strong and then Cater sort of took over down the stretch. And if that was a five-round fight, I'm pretty confident that Cater would have won that fight. But at the same time, like he's, he's a super prospect. The guy is an absolute super prospect and his brother's a really good prospect too for bellator but i would say 50 50 at best for Zabit. i know honestly i have no insight to this whatsoever no clue sterling and jan again those two guys did a tremendous job at the media day building intrigue for this fight and i do agree with you zeke i'm like aljo is getting counted out and i feel like jan has 
a very good chance to win this fight. I just think he's the more complete guy. And the longer the fight goes, I think the more it favors Piotr Jan because he's just not only a robot, quote-unquote, like you say, he's just a tremendous fighter. He's so well-rounded. And he's a guy, if you notice, like the Corey Sanhagen fight is a perfect example. Even the first Aljo fight is a, is a really good example of this. The, the, more, the longer the fight goes, the more acclimated to the opponent he becomes. He just gets so much more comfortable inside the cage with the opponent. He, it's almost like he takes the first seven or eight minutes to just let the, the numbers add up in his brain. It's like a calculator. It's like a, a human computer in his head. And once he figures out movements and tendencies and all that stuff, that's when he comes alive. That's when Jan comes off the leash. But I, th- I think Sterling has a chance. He's going to have to be – he's going to have to be at his very best, which I don't know how he's going to feel with this recovery and the next stuff because there are some fighters who have come back from this injury and have come back fine, but more often than not, it's tough. It's a tough comeback. But if Aljo can come in there and, and, and compete like a Bryce Mitchell and just get Jan against the fence – and just chain takedowns for 25 minutes, he could win this fight. That's his path to victory. Now, if this is a in-space sort of kickboxing, like your your typical, the definition of a, of a mixed martial arts bout, AK, I know, listen to this, AK, I'm sorry. If we're mixing the martial arts, I think Piotr Jan wins this fight. However, But if, a, if, if Aljamain turns this into a, like a Vince Pichel kind of performance where he's just being frustrating and he's chaining takedowns. If he goes in there like a Bryce Mitchell or like a Colby and just goes, if goes for takedowns, first one doesn't work, go for the second one. Second one doesn't work, go for the third one. If he fights like that, he's got a chance to win. He's got a chance to win, but that's a lot, man. That's a lot. You're asking a lot. And uh, I'm, I mean, kind of a spoiler, but I'm, I'm going with Jan to win. But I will tell you, just after listening to Aljamain Sterling talk yesterday and him answering my questions and stuff, fights closer than I uh, originally thought. I will say that. As we'll bring in the, the casual fan on a heck of a morning. Perhaps. The wheel is spinning. Casual fan, what's up? Make sure you unmute. Casual fan. Five, four, three. Yeah, Casual hi, fan, what's up? Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so my question is that it's, <laughs> I mean, it's mostly around Hamza Chimayev. So I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious right now that there is a reason why Leon versus Kamaru Usman has not been announced. So, I do feel there is a very, very high possibility that if Hamzat wins against Burns, in whatever way, most probably if he, if he does, it is going to be in pretty much in, in a devastating fashion. If he's able to do that, I have a feeling he might jump Leon and might face Kumaru because I don't think there's any, anyone else left. Colby, Colby and Hamzat is not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Most probably, I think, we are going to see Chimayev versus Kamaru next. And he's going to leapfrog Leon. I think that's what I feel. What do you think? 
Thank you, casual fan. Yes, this. I mean, that was that was the subtitle of of Tuesday's show. With Will Hamzat leapfrog Leon Edwards with a win on Saturday. Again, kind of like the whether or not Zabit will come back or not conversation. It's 50-50. And I know some people are like, well, Dana White said that Leon's getting the fight. Since when? Like, like, like since when has things that Dana White has said become gospel? Like, I understand he's the president of the company. But if you go back over the last few years, how many times has Dana White said something and it didn't happen? It's a lot. It's several times. And you cannot tell me that if this fight is not done, if the ink is not dried on that contract, because here's the thing, Usman's injury in the hand and the sort of unknown when he can come back, is it going to be July? Is it going to be August? Like what, all that stuff. That is such a detriment to Leon Edwards right now. The fact that this fight has not been signed is a huge detriment. And again, I've said this, since the show began a week ago, I feel like the show, I mean, I'm acting like the show has been going on for a hundred episodes, but if you are Leon Edwards team, you are, I mean, you're up right now on the phone with Hunter Campbell saying, bro, we need a contract. We need something because if that fight is not officially announced by the time Hamzat Shemayev walks into that octagon on Saturday, I'm with you, man. There is a very good chance. A very good chance, especially if he goes out there and does what the odds, what the betters, the gambling community feels like Shemaev is going to do. If he goes out there and just runs through Gilbert, I mean, you've got to give the people what they want. And it, unfortunately for Leon Edwards, it will not be him. It will not be him. Everyone's going to want to see how will Hamzat match up with Kamaru. you got to throw him in for a title fight. If he goes, if he goes out there and just runs through Gilbert Burns, you're te- the public is just going to go bananas for this guy. And no one's going to want to see Leon get this title fight, except for maybe his team and his family. And it's not fair. The meritocratic way to do it is to give Leon a title fight and then have Hamzat fight the winner. I just don't know. I'm not fully convinced that that's the case, even though Dana said it. I'm not fully convinced. I'm not. So we'll see what happens. But obviously that fight is is really interesting. Let's bring in uh, Derpate. Derpate? He's got the Godfather image, I can tell you that. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, yeah, Godfather from Germany. Hey. Hey. So, if 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 Hamzat manages to run through Burns, but there's the point. I don't think he will run through Burns. I think Burns is the first real opponent for Hamzat to prove Hamzat, you know? It's like Burns is, I think that the odds are very strange for me, to be honest. I mean, like, Hamzat had a good hype train, but but I think Burns could stop him. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is why this is the... And I know Ariel is like, I created the people's main event, and there's probably truth to that, but this is the people's main event. You ask, I mean, I've talked to people around here. I've talked to to fighters, other media members. I've talked to some coaches, some managers out here. All eyes are on this fight. This is the fight. This is the one everybody is, in, is most interested in. Can Hamzat pass the litmus test? 
Because a lot of people felt like the Lee Jingliang fight might have been the litmus test. But now we're going from Lee Jingliang to Gilbert Burns, a guy who, if you recall, was seconds away from defeating Kamara Usman. He had Usman rocked. He had him hurt in the first round. And if he's a little more patient, we could be talking about Gilbert Burns being the welterweight champion of the world right now. Obviously, that didn't happen. It is what it is. But that's it's just such an interesting fight. It's such an interesting fight. I will tell you one thing, though. Here's, here's sort of an outlier to me. And I've stood next to the man. I've seen him in person. I've walked by him many times over the last day and a half. Hamza Chamayev is a monster. He is a gigantic dude. I don't know how he makes 170. I know he struggled in his last fight. I, I, I have no idea how this guy makes 170. He is a friggin' monster. He's huge. And look at that video on the UFC's, I think it's on the UFC Twitter page. You can see sort of the first meeting between the guys. Hamzat is just so much bigger than Gilbert Burns. He's so big. And I know Gilbert has really put a focus on his strength and conditioning and trying to get bigger and trying to get stronger. Hamzat is, is a giant. He is a huge welterweight. Again, I don't know how he makes it. I don't know how he makes 170, but he's going to try tomorrow. And of course, my best friend who is on listening right now, Mr. Alexander Kaylee, will be hosting the weigh-in show. That might be the most interesting story of the entire thing. Can he make the weight? And if he doesn't, you know, I, I actually had somebody bring this up to me yesterday. Um, a, a manager in this business that I, that I truly respect last night. And he asked the question, like, what if, what if Shamayev misses weight? I know we don't want to we we don't want to think in in negative terms like that, but what if what if he misses weight? Because we saw him struggle to get there for the Jing Liang fight on Fight Island. What if he misses? What if he comes in at like one seventy two and a half? If you're Gilbert Burns, do you just kind of take that as a as a win and walk away and get your show money and and just like ride off into the sunset, or do you still take this fight? So I'm curious about that. I think, honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like Shamayev is struggling or is, is, is all that concerned about making it. But it is a question that's that's a fair one to ask right now. What happens if he misses? What does Gilbert Burns do then? Does he take the fight? Does he not take the fight? Because if he doesn't, that's a win for him either way. But I think the fans would be pretty pissed off. Like Joey T. I'm sure Joey T, if, uh, if something like that happened and Gilbert didn't take the fight, you'd probably wouldn't be too thrilled with that but again you get a you get a focus on number one but uh what do you want to talk about this morning, Joe? good how, how you doing you? mike so good. one fight that i think i wouldn't say sneaky but i think could finish within like two and a half i'm looking at gall versus malat i noticed in malat's fights win or loss besides his one draw has been all first round and then like mickey gall's one was the same thing most of his wins are within two rounds and under so how do you really think that fight goes because I know both are very good skilled BJJ artists, but I know Malat's a Uriah Faber training partner, and I know his striking's maybe a tad bit better, but I don't know if maybe Malat has the better BJJ. So, like, I don't know if maybe someone gets caught on the hands because Malat has got knocked out by Dawabadu, but I don't know if Gall has the necessarily striking of Mwabadu because Mwabadu's a freak of nature with his size. But besides that, another one more thing before I go, Shamayev. If he runs through Burns, it would not shock me if he jumps over uh, Leon Edwards. But another thing is, if 
Burns gets by Shamayev. Yes, it's a big one. He stopped the hype train, but I don't know if he gets the title shot right away. Maybe he waits for a match with Kobe. Yeah, I and and, and that's a question I, I honestly don't think enough people are asking. It's all about what happens with Shamayev wins. And and I get it, like when we when we subtitle these these shows. The last one, I mean, like I said, Will, Will Hamza leapfrog Leon Edwards with the win. Unfortunately, like, for Gilbert, he's in... I'm not going to say he's in a lose-lose situation because getting the Hamza rub right now means something. It, it is significant. But at the same time, you also sort of have this... The way MMA fans look at things. You, It's almost like you have... I'm not going to say... Like, I don't know if excuse is the is the right word. But there's almost like a like a built-in thing here. Oh, maybe it was just too much too fast. Kudos to Shamaya for taking this fight. Gilbert just proved to be the wily veteran. He's got more experience, been in bigger fights, yada, yada, yada. So in a way, like, it doesn't hurt Shamaya all that much if he loses. But how much does Gilbert gain from a win right now? Because he's probably not getting a title fight if he if he does win. And if he loses, like... I don't know. It's it's just it's 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 just kind of a weird spot for for him to be in right now. But I, I'm with you on that. Mickey Gall, Mike Malott, interesting fight. Uh, little spoiler alert. I spoke with Mickey Gall yesterday, so that interview will be coming to the MMA Fighting YouTube channel relatively soon. So stay tuned for that. Mickey was in uh in great spirits. I've been speaking with Mickey Gall since before he was in the UFC. I think. After he was on the looking for a fight show, the Dana White show, and he called out CM Punk, I think I was the very first person he interviewed with. And I've been interviewing Mickey for, I mean, literally since he was a one and O pro. Never met in person. Never, ever met in person until yesterday. First time. And we met. We had a great conversation. And he is about as content and as happy and comfortable with himself as I've ever seen him, ever. He's at Sanford MMA, he's training with Gilbert Burns, training with Ian Gary, Michael Johnson, guys like that. Jason Jackson has, has really helped him a lot. Just just speaking with him, looking in his eyes, and just, just seeing his demeanor, the dude's in a good spot. Mike Mollett's really good. The dude is a grinder, good fighter, very solid. I like the fight. I, I I I do think this one probably plays out on the feet, uh, if if we're being honest. But we'll see. It's 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 a good fight, and I I don't think it goes the distance. I'm with you. I think we're gonna. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, technical difficulties today. I don't know why. Like, my phone continues to like mute. On the spaces over and over again. I don't know why. It's super frustrating. I just realized that. Uh, so a couple things. The yeah, the over under five hundred thousand buys. It's gonna be close. I like. I, I think it goes over. I think the Hamzat factor puts it over. I don't think we get to a million, but I think the UFC is kind of in a place right now where, unless the card is just absolute dog crap, it's gonna do five hundred thousand buys by itself. Like the brand, the UFC brand, I think it invokes enough interest. I'm curious what July is going to look like and how they build those two two pay-per-view events. Because as we talked about on Tuesday, 
it is very expensive to be an MMA fan. It really is. It's very expensive to be an MMA fan. And how will people sort of gauge July when there's two events and $150 to spend? Having said that, I feel like this, like just being here and just seeing the vibe and just seeing what's around me and how people are feeling about this card. This one has, this one has UFC 199 vibes to it. And what I mean by that is it's a good card. You get two title fights. There's a lot of build behind the Shamaya Burns fight. But if we're being honest here, if you're looking at two main events, if you're looking at Volkanovski, Korean Zombie, which I love that fight, and then you're looking at the Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje lightweight title fight, if you had to choose one, which one are you choosing? I think 95% of the people are going to choose the latter. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's no disrespect to Volkanovski or, or Korean Zombie. It's just the Gaethje factor. It's just the, the Oliveira factor. It's just that divisional factor. I think if we're weighing the two, if, you're, if you can only watch one, you're probably watching 274 just for that fight. And plus Rose Damir is on the card. So I feel like 274 outdo 273 in terms of pay-per-view buys. But there's a, there's a 199 vibe to this card where it's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, okay, I like it. I'm interested in it. I want to know what's going to happen, but am I going to smack this on 75 bucks for it? And I have a feeling that by the time the post-fight show happens, those people who chose not to buy it are going to be kicking themselves in the ass. They're going to be thinking to themselves, damn it, I should have bought it. That's the vibe I'm getting right now. And I've kind of felt that way in the buildup, but after seeing everybody's energy out here, I mean, I really feel that way. I think this is going to be a special card. I do. I think in the aftermath, there's going to be a lot to talk about. All right, we're going to take two more calls. It's a very busy day. Let's bring in Tim Monfels. Tim, good morning. Mike, how's it going? What's up, buddy? I just wanted to get your like preview and prediction of a couple fights this weekend. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about with uh, Tisha Torres and Mackenzie Dern and then Jarzinho and Tibera. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you. Sounds like you're listening in the car, and uh, kudos to you. That's like the dream I've had for this show. So, Jarzino Tybora. I mean, listen, I actually, in an interesting way, I feel like both fights are kind of, we can kind of break down both fights exactly the same. If Tybora takes Jarzino down and can get takedowns and establishes wrestling, it's going to be a long night for Jarzino. And I know Jarzino is working on the wrestling and trying to improve it, especially from a defensive standpoint. He's just, I mean, listen, it's, it's a lot. It, it's, it's a lot to learn at this level. And to have to really learn it and try to establish that side of your game this early, like at this point in your career, it's tough, man. It's super tough. But again, and, and I kind of look at the Torres Dern fight the same way and it's kind of a cop-out answer and it's kind of the the you know the on paper look at it but there's nothing i mean that's what it is the fight stays on the feet jarzinho wins tybor can crack too but if the fight stays on the feet if it's a, if it's a in-space kickboxing match jarzinho will win that fight with the dern torres fight same thing if torres can defensively wrestle and stay stay on her feet and not engage in in grappling or Engaging clinches with Mackenzie Dern. If she gets keep this on the feet and just throw strikes, 
She's got a very good chance to win this fight. And Tisha's in a great place, too. Great place mentally. Her confidence is in a, is on a whole new level. She talked about that at her media day scrum, talking about how she has gone with the sports psychologist and it's really helped her with her confidence. And I feel like McKenzie has a lot of confidence, too, despite coming off the loss to Marina Rodriguez. So I think both fights you kind of look at, if we're, if we're trying to keep it simple here, stays on the feet. Jarzinho Tisha, if the fight hits the mat, it's Tybor and, and Mackenzie Dern. The problem with Mackenzie is, and I think Tisha is aware of this too, and she's very good defensively and she's a vet. Mackenzie's just one of those fighters that if she just gets you down, I mean, it may, it may be over within a minute. She's just that good. She's that good. And you feel like you can prepare for it. But when, you, when you're on the mat with somebody at that level, it's just it can be overwhelming. It really can, no matter how many fights you have. So both fights I look at similarly. If we're if we're striking, it's Jarzinho Torres. If we're grappling, we're going the other way. All right, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take two more. We gotta bring in Chris Martin. Chris, good morning. Let's make sure you're morning, Mike. What's up, buddy? Talking about the Jarzinho Tabura fight, are you surprised that they didn't put that on the main card uh, instead of the Pichel Madsen fight? Since the UFC loves to start main cards with a banger and with Madsen's heavy wrestling style, it seems like that has a potential to maybe be a bit of a snoozer. Excuse me. Really good question. I, uh, I knew this was coming at some point because this, this has been a very popular discussion this year. has been card placement and belt placement on these cards. I actually like, I, I, think, I think what the UFC has done is correct. I like the Madsen-Pichel fight. I know Madsen, Marco Madsen has a very wrestling-heavy game, and oftentimes it can be discouraging to fans. But at the same time, he's fighting Vince Pichel, who is a freaking animal. And this is going to be a dogfight between those two guys. Like the Marco Madsen Clay Guida fight was a, was a fun fight. He's fighting a vet who just has that dog in him, And I feel like this is going to be a very similar fight. And I know this, see, here's, here's one of these, here's one of these fights where if you look at stats and you look at numbers, they don't really tell the story. Vince Pichel, and I actually talked to a member of his management team yesterday about this. If you look at the UFC stats, and this is this is what I saw the other day, and I don't know if it's 100% accurate, so I'm just kind of trying to, to play off my memory here. Vince Pichel, his takedown defense, 25%. 25%. So if you – so if what that means is if you try to take down – if you attempt four takedowns on Vince Pichel, you will take him down three times. But the problem with Vince is he gets up. He gets up. He doesn't do like he doesn't sit there and just and just defend takedowns. You take him down, you get a sense of confidence. He lures you into a false sense of security, and then he gets up, and then you take him down again, and then he gets up again, and then you get on top of him. You improve your position, and then he scrambles. He gets back to guard. He gets back up again. Like Vince is a dog. I love the fight. I actually think it's gonna be a really good fight. Very definitely his fight of the night potential. I dig it. The Jarzinho Tybora fight, I understand why why this one is not on the main card because this one kind of has potential to be a snoozer. If these two go out there and just start slinging, it'll be a fun one because it's heavyweight. 
But I have a feeling that Type War is not going to want to play that game. He's going to want to take Jarzy and you're down and and just kind of grind him out. I don't know if that one gets a finish. I think Type War probably wins the decision here. But I think in the long run, on, and this is just my vibe, I feel like we're all going to be happy with the decision the UFC made to put this fight on the main card over the heavyweight fight. Let's get no-name MMA in here. Good morning. A uh, couple of little things. So, yeah, Frozen Strike versus Tybura, I think, is going to be a, a sleeper. I mean, Tybura is a wrestler, and Frozen Strike, he waits until the last round. I think that placement was perfect, in my opinion. Besides right. that, um, yeah, I think for either person, if Burns or Chimaev win, they get Kobe. I think uh, another thing that I will disagree with you on is this. If Chimaev loses, I think the luster is gone. I think it, we really take a step back and go, yeah, we we might have overshot here. He was ranked 10. We gave him Lee. He destroyed. If he destroys Burns, he has to leapfrog Leon. I mean, there's no – besides the 10-fight winning streak, I'm, and I'm being completely hypocritical here, but besides the 10-fight winning streak, which is insane, Leon is what the people want. I mean, I mean, not Leon, uh, Hamzat. <laughs> Hamzat is what the people want. And if he goes out there and he dominates, it's hard to argue against somebody who's dominating, absorbed. Uh, I've seen two different things, two or one strike, four strikes attempted against him when with him landing like 220 or something like that. Uh, it's hard to pin up a guy like Leon who struggled against Nate at the very well, he didn't even struggle. He steamrolled Nate, but the message out of it is Nate almost had you. So that's what Hamzat's doing. It's like Nate almost had you. Why are you even putting my name in your mouth? Uh, I, I don't know. That wasn't even my question. Sorry, Dana White on uh Jake Paul's impulsive show a couple of weeks ago or a week ago said that he had the next one up in line after him for president of UFC. He said that a lot of people wouldn't know who he is and that it wouldn't be DC. Do you have an inkling of who it would be? Hunter, I mean, we know Hunter Campbell. We know uh, McMaynard and Sean Shelby, but that's the whole hierarchy of the UFC that I know, or that's known to me. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Thank you, no name of me. Um, the Colby thing, I mean, I think if Gilbert wins, there's a very there's a chance the UFC tries to make that fight, but this is definitely a difference between trying to make it and it actually happening. Because I don't know, I just don't know what Colby's interest is in that fight. I mean, if the UFC could present it to him as a number one contender fight, and like if you win, you get that third fight with Kamaru, maybe he takes it. <sighs> Shamayev is interesting because maybe like. I, there's a like I said, there's a very good chance the UFC could just be like, sorry, Leon, and just jump Hamzat up there. But if this fight is done, and, and, and honestly, like the UFC is presenting it, is presenting themselves and moving forward as if this fight is done. But again, we haven't seen a graphic, we haven't seen it announced. And in today's UFC, if you don't see that, like if this fight is not officially announced, then it's not 100%. It's not. And, I've, and that's why I've been saying this for, for months now. If you are Team Leon, you got to get that from 95 to 100. You have to do it quickly, especially if Shemaya goes out there and wins. 
in terms of the 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 the, the Dana replacement, no idea. I honestly have no clue. Maybe I mean that the UFC has some delightful people that work for the company. I have no idea. Literally no clue. All right, I'm gonna take one more. I don't know. Maybe I'm lying. Who knows? This is a very busy day. Christopher, what's up? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, um, all good. Uh, just before I ask my question, I only just jumped in now. Have you had any questions about open scoring? I don't want to tread the water. Just... <laughs> no, okay, we have not. Cool. We have not. Um, so, kind of like a fun question for you, like a true or false. Um, Ten years from now, do we have open scoring in the UFC, yes or no? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> You're the man, Christopher. Almost every show you call in. So, so last night I had dinner with, with Jose and John Morgan, and we talked about this. We talked about open scoring, and there is we could have very easily gotten into a debate about open scoring. But my conclusion, and it has been sort of this way from the beginning, I don't care. Like, honestly, I do not care. There are a lot of people who are so passionate about this conversation on one side or the other. You're either pro-open scoring or against open scoring, and those are who are on that side of the fence, I mean, they vehemently just battle it out against the other side. I could not care less, honestly, at this point. Like, if it happens, cool. Like, if you want to try it, all right. But I don't care. I It is not an arguable point. I don't think it changes anything. Like, it makes fights, like, it makes fighters believe, it makes fighters sort of see where they're at. But I think for the viewer, I don't think it does anything. I actually think it, like, ruins the allure of it all. Because if a fighter goes out there and wins the first two rounds, and you know that, and you see how the third round plays out, unless it's a 10 like, there's no mystery there. So from an entertainment perspective, it doesn't do much. But I mean, like, I get, but I'm not a fighter either. I'm not a fighter. If I, if, if we think the judging is, is sus, as, uh, as the cool ones say, if we think the judging is sus, I would understand people wanting to know where you're at. But even Ally Quinta, when he was on the show last week and talked about open scoring, was like, I kind of like not knowing. I kind of like the mystery behind it. I, I kind of feel how, how I'm performing. I know whether I'm winning or losing. And there's some intrigue to that, at least for him. Now, how would like the Ian Garys of the world view it? That's an interesting discussion. The, t- the 21, 22, the up-and-comers, do they want open scoring, this next generation of guys? I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. I really don't care if it happens or it doesn't happen. It'd be cool to just like see it play out, but I don't think we're ever going to see it in the UFC. Even if they go to a to a state where it's commissioned that it's an option. I don't think the UFC does it. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Mike, uh, I see uh, Mr. Oh. A.K. Lee is in here. Probably. Oh, uh, here we go. Probably, here we he go. probably heard. He probably heard uh, <laughs> me going at him the other day, but it is what it is. I, I will not take blatant disrespect for Aaron Blanchfield. That's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> besides that, let's two real quick, and then um, I'll let you speak about this. All right, for the Mackenzie Dern versus uh, Tisha Torres fight, 
if Mackenzie wins, I don't think she moves up or moves up or anything. I think she's going to stay where she's at because the person that's lurking in the background and people better start, you know, looking onto this. And that person is Tatiana Suarez. Now she, there's a piece up on her on MMAfighting.com on the site that, you know, she's testing out the knee. She's hoping that she'll be back for July for International Fight Week. She just needs one fight and she's getting a title shot. That is just, that is a fact. That is not even like, that's not even an opinion. That's a fact because of the amount of competition she's beaten. She's ain't known. She's beaten top people. We're talking, she beat uh, Carla Esparza and she beat, you know, uh, Alexa Grasso. So, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Her lurking in the back of the national weight division. And then my second question is about Shafkan Rachmanov. Where do you, with Shemaev, if Shemaev wins, you know, is he in a better position for himself to be like, okay, because people are already starting to talk, people are already asking questions to Rachmanov about Shemaev, of that fight happening. And listen, I think that fight's going to happen between him and Neil Magny. That fight is going to happen. That is, because they've already verbally, and they haven't officially verbally agreed, but on Twitter, they he's he's calling for that fight, and he's like, all right, let's go. And I mean, listen, man, if Rachmanov beats Neil Magny, and then he goes, and let's say he fights Brady and beats him back-to-back wins like that. I mean, he's going to, everybody's going to be like, oh, oh, here we go. This is what they're waiting for. So just your opinion of that, those two, uh, those two situations right there. All right. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, Tristan. Tristan and I have, and even AK at times, we have a, like a, like a fun little rivalry with Tristan Gordad. He's a, he is the ultimate on to the next one fan. And we appreciate him very much for that. So the Tatiana Suarez situation, you're probably right. If she fights, if she is a strawweight, that's the question. Because even when she was thinking about coming back a little while ago, it was going to be at 125. And she was actually booked for, after, who do they book her with? It was that 125. I know this, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I gotta, now you make me sit down. I've gone from pacing around in my hotel room to now having to sit down and Google things. That's what the show is all about. Where are we at? All right, so, and I believe that when she comes back, it would be at 125. Now, it all depends sort of where Roxanne Matafari. All right, she was booked with Roxanne for for UFC 266 in September, and then she had a knee injury, which is why that fight didn't happen. That was at 125. And I would guess that, her next fight will also be at 125. So it just depends. Like maybe she goes to 125 and she just feels amazing up there. And she's like, nah, I ain't cutting that extra 10 pounds anymore. Then obviously the 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 the, the stakes raise a little bit at 115. 115's interesting. And I think Tatiana could could really make things fun at 125. I mean, 125 is a developing division. We have these, we sort of have like the established veterans who are up there right now. And then we have these, this new crop, the Aaron Blanchfields and the Casey O'Neills, so forth and so on. But now you put Tatiana Suarez in the mix with the Misha Tates. Makes things a little interesting. Makes things a little more, uh, a little more fun. At least uh, for, for interest levels when it comes to pay-per-views and trying to book big fights. So, yeah, I, I mean, kind of TBD on that. And then the Rachmaninoff-Magny situation. So, okay, so I'm, 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 I mean, we had a conversation, so I'll talk. So that fight, that fight is being discussed. That is, that's one thing I can tell you. That fight is being discussed. 
It's being discussed for June. It is not done. Uh, I would say to put it in Helwani terms, I think we're over, we're over midfield. We're over midfield. I'll, I'll say that. No contracts, nothing like that. Um, I would say we're probably on like the 47-yard line, like heading towards the end zone. So not 100% confident in it, um, but it's heading in the right direction. I will say that. So the UFC is interested in that fight. Uh, the fighters are certainly interested in that fight. It is a, uh, from what I gather, it's kind of a business thing. You know, if, it's, if it makes dollars, it makes sense kind of thing, as it should be. But uh, there is interest there in making that fight. And it's, uh, it could happen. And it could happen as early as June. But nothing to report. Nothing to write about, but that fight is being discussed. All right, Indigo, you have the final word. How are you? How you doing? Yeah, uh, I'm a little bit sick, but other than that, I'm all right. Um, yeah, I, I was just a crushing me. So I'm yeah, um, I just had a quick question about. Uh, it's a little bit related to this uh, upcoming card because um, I knew that I know that Duplessis had to. Uh, he had the Hernandez fight and then the Gaslam fight and those didn't work out um and andre muniz also uh uri hall had to pull out of their fight and i know they were matched up um a few months ago and i I think that fight's so good so i I think that they should do that again um i I think that muniz is a real dark horse in the division like if he gets a hold of you it's you're pretty much done (laughs) yeah i uh i completely agree with you I think I think there's a uh, there's a lot on both of those guys. Both of those guys are very interesting, uh, very interesting up and comers in this division. Yes, so Duplessis was offered that fight with with Muniz. There was actually preliminary talks about trying to make that, trying to put Muniz and bump him up a week and make put that fight on this card this week. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. And then there was talks about maybe just put, putting it on next week's card, but. Duplessis said no, and I don't blame him. I honestly do not blame him at all. I, I and I put this out there for the for the world to see on Twitter. I do not blame this guy at all to go through everything he has gone through, from opponent to opponent to opponent, all these different styles, all these different fighters, and then you're asking him when he's supposed to fight on this massive card, and he's got all these different opponents, and he gets matched up with with Calvin Gastelum, a guy who was one half of one of the, the craziest fights in the history of the division. And then you're asked to bump back a week to fight Andre Muniz. Like there's no reward there. There's no reward for, for Drickus Duplessis. If he wins that fight, it's just like, cool. You want to fight like in the hardcore fans understand that that'd be a really good win. But like the casual audience has like, they, they, they wouldn't understand. So to me, like the risk reward factor, the percentages, they don't line up. They just don't line up for me. They don't. So I have no issue with with, with Drickus turning down that fight. I, I I'm with him. I would have turned it down too. If I was a manager, I said, Nah, dude, we're not doing that. You're trying to run. You're trying to make a move in this division, and now we're going to put you in there with a very stylistically difficult matchup with a guy who is a dark horse. A guy who could be fighting for a world championship in two years. What like what is he like what would he gain from beating Andre Muniz? Like he would get a ranking spot in 
the UFC rankings, but like, what does that mean in 2022? I mean, it would get him a spot on the only rankings that matter, the MMA Fighting Global rankings. He'd be mentioned on the ranking show, but that's literally that's legitimately like the biggest thing that could happen. <laughs> there's just there's just no reward outside of just getting the second half of your paycheck for fighting a guy like Andre Mini. So I'm t- completely with Jerkis Duplessis. Well done. His management team, his coaches, all that. You guys made the right choice. I'm with you. But with that being said, it is a busy day. We're getting out of here. And what? wow. It is. I mean, it is downpouring in Jacksonville. It is absolutely just crushing rain out there. I can't even see out my window right now. That's how hard it is raining. So, what a day. And I got a flat tire last night. So, I have to go take care of that right now. And uh, I'm glad to see that it's a, it's a freaking thunderstorm out there that I have to drive through to, uh, to get my tire fixed. But we are done. Tomorrow, we're back. 8 a.m. Eastern. It's kind of like the weigh-in show, pre-show, free-for-all Friday, taking all your questions, getting ready for the weigh-in show, which will be hosted by my best friend, Alexander Kaylee. Jose and I will be on site for the weigh-ins. And we got the press conference going down today as well, which should be super fun. I hope we will have Volkanovsky, Korean Zombie, Sterling, Jan, Burns, Shemaev, and I believe Mackenzie Dern and Tisha Torres will be there as well. Um, so we will have coverage of that. We will be there. And that's it. We got some fun stuff coming. There's, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's, uh, there's a couple of very fun things in the works over the next few days. One of those things could happen in the next couple of hours. And if it does, it'll be super cool. I can tell you that. Uh, as far as BTL goes, we're not going to be doing video for BTL this week, only because of the scheduling and everything going on. Uh, but Jed and I, we're going to go back to uh, sort of the old school one-on-one round table where we just hit record and just shoot the breeze. You guys seem to dig that when, uh, when time is not on our side and that's what we're going to do. So um, looking forward to that. Stay tuned to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network, not only for this show, but for that show and all the other stuff we're going to be doing this week. So thank you guys all for listening. Thank you guys all for waking up early. I am Mike Heck. Have a heck of the rest of the day. And we'll see you guys later on at the UFC 273 press conference. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.